Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Tuesday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us uh, wherever you're tuned in this afternoon. Opening segment of the show today is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We love Justin and the gang down at Dickie's. They serve delicious food seven days a week and enjoy it through the drive-thru. Take home or in dining room dining, however you choose. Just be sure you choose Dickie's. And don't forget that Dickie's will cater any event for you, large or small. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation joining us later on the Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander uh, later in the show as well. But we're going to kick off today with uh, one of our favorite Southern Miss coaches, John Stewart, who is the head coach of track and field at Southern Miss. Just coming off the Southern Miss Invitational, where the Golden Eagles uh, hosted 16 schools on campus and walked away with 13 victories, so another dominant performance by track and field. And, uh, Coach, we're glad to have you back on the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. So you're off to it. You had a good indoor season. You appear to be off to a really good outdoor season. I know that uh, you got to be overall pretty well pleased with the way your track meet Invitational went. Yeah, uh, you know uh, – it was a lot of fun winning a lot of events, and, uh, you know, it's good to be back out there in front of our, our people. You know, we, we had a limited crowd. We had just parents, but you know what? Uh, they still filled up the stands for us, and, uh, you know, it's always good for the kids to have their, their parents and, and, uh, and, you know, siblings and stuff like that coming out and watching us, and I think that, that means a lot to them. So that was a lot of fun. You said to us uh, before we went on the air, though, you still have a lot of work to be done. I mean, you are you are off, I, I think, to a to a great start. Uh, you got some really good high jumpers. Uh, I know your women won the four by one hundred relay up at, in Starkville a week earlier uh, at the Bulldog relays. Well, what now is the strength of the team presently, and, and what areas do you need to work on? Well, you know, we're we're really strong in the jumping events, really strong in the sprints right now. Uh, we have yet to unleash all the distance runners. They've we've had a few uh, uh, compete so far, and they've done really well. But you know, we're still waiting to to let Cassidy Tusher uh, uh, run, and she's going to run this weekend. And she was the freshman athlete of the of the, the meet uh, in cross country and in indoor track. So um, once we get all the distance runners going, and uh, I think uh, we'll start to look a little more complete as a team. Uh, these track meets are great when we win, but, you know, as a coach, I'm always looking at the things that we, you know, what we didn't win and what we need to work on and, you know, and how we need to run the meet better. So, you know, I, I, I'm always kind of kind of hard on myself until until I sit back, and it's not till the season's over I can look back and go, yeah, we had a great meet that day. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm I'm feeling good about it, but but I'm not feeling I'm not feeling great. I'm feeling like, hey, we got some work to do. Luke? 
Coach, uh, a lot of people, you know, on the outside don't know not only what goes into a meet, but particularly when you host a meet. This is uh, the third or second meet of the outdoor season, Starkville, of course, a couple weekends ago. What all goes into your responsibilities as a coach when you host a meet with all these schools coming in? Man, I tell you what, I, I you know, we don't have enough time on the show to tell you all the things that I have to do, but you have to order all the food. We're ordering 125 meals three times a day. We've got fish fry going on for all the officials. We've got 40 different officials coming in. Uh, with all the teams asking me, each coach asking me a, you know, a plethora of questions, <laughs> you know, where is this? How do I park? Where do we go? Give me some directions. What are you going to do about this? So it's, you know, it's like putting on the most gigantic wedding you've ever seen. Just making sure the caterers are there and the cake is right and the dress is right. That's about what it's like. So, if, if, hey, if I ever have another, you know, if, if, if I ever go another direction in my career, I'm just going to be like a wedding planner or something because I know I can handle it. So uh, just just a lot of things go into it, a whole bunch of things. Coach, as we look through the results of uh, the this, the Invitational over the last weekend in Hattiesburg, what I see over and over again with men and women are PR, 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 PR. And some of these are first-year athletes. Some of these are you know second, third-year athletes. What does it mean for you whenever you see that, the personal record that the kid in your program has achieved their, their best and pretty cool that it happened at home? Yeah, I mean, hey, PRs, are, that's what we're trying to achieve. In, in other words, we're just – They've done better than they've ever done before. They've done better than they did in high school. They've done better than they had done the previous year or, or that, that particular season. So, you know, it just tells us that we're moving in the right direction as a coach and the training that we're doing is, is working. And, you know, it makes the kids feel good. Hey, every, everybody's happy when they're, when, they're, uh, when they're competing well and they're getting, they're getting personal bests and personal records. Um, so, you know, the kids are happy. You know, if you're not if you're not performing really well, most of the time you got kids that are complaining like, "Hey, this isn't working for me. Why can't I do this?" But you know, we don't have a whole lot of that. I mean, I think the training has gone really well. Got a great coaching staff, so they, we're just doing the right things with the kids, I think, and and uh, that just really makes me feel good about the direction that the program is going. Coach, with your uh, high jump guys, uh, how how deep do you think they'll be able to compete this year? I know they're very very good. You said there's uh, you know a lot of really good athletes in the high jump across the country. I think you mentioned a new six eight kid that has that has appeared from somewhere. But where does the Southern Miss high jump athletes uh, come stack up right now? You think uh, regionally and nationally? Well, regionally, you know we're we're ranked in the top ten. Both our guys uh, in the East region. That's basically the Mississippi region over all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. But. Um, I'm expecting those guys, because they both have done it in the past, to be top eight at the national championships, be first-team All-Americans. And, you know, there's just not a combination out there at any school that has two guys jumping this high uh, and then this well at this time of the season. Um, you know, somebody said, uh, <laughs> I think you told me it's not fair, but you know what, it's – it's. Uh, Hey, that, that's right. We don't want to be fair. We just want to go out there and jump over everybody's head and, and, and make them all feel bad. Uh, but, but those guys are sensational, and, and they, they've worked hard, and, and they just do a, a tremendous job every, every meet. Just go out there and just perform and get, get results. How high are they jumping now, and how high do you think they have the ability to get to? Right now they're jumping, 
you know, they've both jumped seven, one and a half, seven, one and three quarters. And, you know, the higher up you go, just a quarter of an inch makes a big difference. But I think that, you know, both of them have a potential to go close to seven, five, seven, six. And, you know, what that's going to do is, you know, it'll propel them into the NCAA championships and the Olympic trials. You know, the Olympic trials is this summer and it's after NCAAs and it's a big deal to get there. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to get hit a standard to get to the Olympic trials. And if they do that, then, you know, we got a chance to have some more Olympians at uh, Southern Miss. And uh, on the scale of Olympics, how, how high are, are, are male high jumpers? What heights are they reaching, you know, at that level? Oh, the best guys are going seven, ten, seven, eleven. I think eight feet. Eight feet is the world record. Just a little bit over it. Um, but uh, you know, once you start to get in the seven, six range, there's there's not a whole lot of people in the world that can do that. And and our guys are, are right there. And they're just a they're just a little bit of training, a few competitions away from getting closer to uh, that seven, six range. I think. Well, the guy that hit eight feet is wow. he human? Is he a complete human being? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the Cuban guy, and you know he was uh, he was he was pretty sensational. So uh, Javier Sotomayor, he was he was pretty good. And uh, now there's another guy that's got a name so long I can't even pronounce it. Uh, who's competing uh, for uh, Qatar? Who's uh, who's jumping really well and, and might challenge that world record? So we've hmm. got some. Uh, uh, some great jumpers in the world right now, and, and hopefully it'll be uh, two guys from Southern Miss, too. There you go. All right, Luke, uh, what else you've got for Coach? This weekend, Coach, Tuscaloosa for the Crimson Tide invite. I look down uh, in a couple weeks, you're at Auburn and then at LSU and then back in Starkville. I mean, uh, your your squad going to get some of the best in the country and, and it speaks to, to your leadership. What are you looking forward to uh, this weekend out of your, your guys and, and your girls over in Tuscaloosa? Hey, we just we just want to get a few extra marks. We want to get the relays a little bit better, um, see some better competition, so that uh, you know maybe those high jump guys can, can go just a quarter of an inch or a half inch higher again. Um, just overall, we, we're looking for really good competition in this defense, and I think that's gonna that's gonna help us and start to round out our team once we get some good marks down in the five thousand ten. Uh, 1500 things like that so uh, we just want to go battling you know we're taking a tour of the SEC right now just going to go in there and, and, and see who we can beat up on and uh, and come back home with, with some trophies and, and celebrate on the bus that's what we plan on doing Coach, n- no coach at Southern Miss has improved their respective program more than you have improved track and field and, uh, and uh, we just think people ought to hear that we think that's the truth and uh, we congratulate you on a continuing great job that you're doing yeah, well thank you very much we we're, we're you know I, i'm proud to be here and proud of the kids we've got some sensational kids from our state that are here and 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 they just continue to make us look good always a pleasure to have you on the eagle hour coach well thank you very much anytime anytime all right our favorite track and field coach john stewart as the Golden Eagle track and field team continues to just excel. He's going to beat up on them. That's what I love about it. Go over there to Alabama, (laughs) Coach. Beat up on them. Do it. We'll be back.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. We want to thank John Stewart for joining us, a track and field coach at Southern Miss for the uh, first segment of the show. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. They're a great place to buy your Southern Miss apparel for your house, for your car, for yourself. They're open six days a week on Hardy Street, and uh, you can shop online at CampusBookmart.net. Uh, Kathleen and her staff are great, great people to do business with. All right, just uh, just breaking some very sad news that kind of affects us here personally on the Eagle Hour. Uh, go ahead, Luke, and you can share that. Yeah, Conference USA um, releasing um, a press release uh, a couple hours ago. Longtime assistant commissioner Russell Anderson passed away over the weekend at the age of 50. Russ uh, was served the league for 25 years. Of course, he was uh, he was the guy with football and baseball. Longtime guest on this show, he would come on, uh, you know, a couple times uh, each season and and talk through football and the changes. Uh, we had him on the course last year when he was he actually <laughs> would occasionally break news for us uh, on the Eagle Hour and, and let us know what was going on and. We always saw him down in, in Biloxi at the uh, the Conference USA baseball tournaments. But, yeah, longtime uh, assistant commissioner Russell Anderson, we called him Russ, passed away this weekend at the age of 50. And and uh, prayers with for him or uh, for, for his family and as they, they mourn his loss. Just tough people you talk to. And and, uh, and then you hear, uh, you know, they pass away, Bob. But uh, he was a great guest on this show and sure helped us a lot to navigate through Conference USA waters. Well, he, he always was willing to come on the show, always just friendly and upbeat, answer any question you ask him, never ask you to forewarn him about you, what you were really going to talk to him about. And, and of course, the Eagle Hour has uh, broadcasted uh, live from every Conference USA baseball tournament, really, since we were on the air. And it was always Russ that accommodated us. You know, he got us the credentials we needed. He got us set up. He uh, just made sure that we had everything that we needed and, uh, you know, we, we criticize Conference USA a lot, but I'll tell you one guy that I, and, and I'm, this is just the truth. This, I'm not just saying this, but the one guy that I always saw and watched that I thought was most efficient and did his job, uh, to the utmost degree of professionalism was Russ Anderson, uh, Luke. He just really stayed on top of, he actually was the guy running in, in a lot of respects, running the Conference USA baseball tournaments every year. Uh, he was the head guy for the conference at those tournaments. And, uh, you know, professionally, it's a loss for a conference USA. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, personally for us, uh, we, we sort of lost a friend. Well, we did lose a friend. We didn't sort of lose a friend. Uh, Russ Anderson was always a friend to the Eagle Hour, and I'm really sorry to hear that news this morning. You know, one thing about him, he has been a part of Conference USA from the very beginning. I mean, you think about that. So Conference USA has been around 25 years, you know, from its inception in, in 1995. Pretty pretty amazing that it's been around. But he's he's been there. You know, eventually, or first off, he was a media relations contact for football and baseball. And then, you know, later on, as he uh, took on assistant uh, commissioner, he was involved in the scheduling. He was the officiating. Um, he's actually even a part of the Hall of Fame committee within Conference USA. And so, you know, Russ Anderson is Conference USA, and so much of Conference USA is, is, uh, was, was because of Russ Anderson. And we should say this about him. He had to put up with Corky Palmer's, uh, badgering in the press box. 
he did, every he? single year, <laughs> and he took it in stride for sure. Yeah, Coach Palmer was on him pretty hard during that lightning tournament and uh, reminding him at one point that we happened to be up there that he sits on the beach in aluminum chairs when it's lightning. So he just doesn't understand how they can't play baseball uh, when lightning uh, is out, you know, a few miles in the Gulf of Mexico. But uh, but again, sorry to hear that uh, news. Uh, that's a a great guy, and uh, it was just a real asset to Conference USA. That's a tough loss uh, for Conference USA. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. So, Luke, uh, have you had a little time to let this news digest uh, about the NCAA and their predetermined? Uh, sites for the upcoming baseball regionals and if so what do you think now that you've had time to mull over this for a while i listened some yesterday uh to sports talk and and the guys are on there throwing around and i think they're supposed to uh talk to kendall rogers and i think we've uh as the eagle out we've reached out to kendall rogers to a d1 baseball great guy who respects southern miss and Trying to get, you know, wrap our minds around it. And one of the things I did learn yesterday after we got off air is that the NCAA says it will be merit based. And so when they announce these, you're, you're basically getting an announcement probably, I don't know, seven days ahead of time, earlier than what you would. Um, you know, to, to Kelly's jokes yesterday, you got till this week to put in a bid and you would assume everybody's going to, going to put in a bid. Uh, another thing that I kind of found out was that it, it really, the monetary decisions really won't be, uh, you, you won't basically have to, you know, fork out all this money for it too. But that just, a couple of things bother me. Um, first and foremost is the possibility of two teams traveling to a super regional. So you make it that far and a team will not have any type of home field advantage. Um, that, that bothers me. Uh, it, it bothers me also that it's inevitable that a team like a, a Louisiana Tech um, will will probably get left out or, or could possibly get left out. Uh, I'm hoping they won't be in that position because we sweep them in Ruston in a couple weeks. Um, uh, another thing that that pops in my mind is it, it's it's going to hurt the school. So so what if you get picked predetermined for a site and your own team doesn't even play in it? I mean, you're gonna you you remember um, you know if if we would host one and we wouldn't be in there, you know, or or somebody was pre-selected to to host a site, and you're gonna have you know a hundred fans that show up for a super regional. I think it's just bad for for baseball, and I think the NCAA has put themselves in a a no doubt predicament that again it just kind of shows that, that they're gonna kiss up to the Power Five because they need the Power Five far more than than the Power Five needs uh, the NCAA, and so I expect to see the great majority of these sites to be Power Five schools. Um, you know, that, that's just a, a few more things. I think uh, the capacities will come into play, and and Bob, I, I think I said this yesterday, but I'm even more adamant about this. I don't think that I think the NCAA will, is going to put out their own capacity regulations regardless of the state. So regardless of what Tate Reeves says is is in Mississippi, the NCAA is going to re- reduce that. That's only bad for baseball, and that's only bad for, for the teams and the players and the coaches that want their teams and the fans when they play for everything on the line. Well, that's an interesting question as to whether or not they can do that. You know, I don't, I don't know uh, if they can or they can't uh, go against what a state uh, issues as uh, attendance guidelines. Here's the thing that strikes me, too. that They gave no real reason for this. You know, I'm sure they have an excuse, 
But they really didn't publicly give a reason for this. So to me, again, it's just sort of like the NCAA saying, you know, we're going to do what we think is best for, for us and our pet schools, and and the rest of you guys just need to shut up and stand in line. Do you ever get that impression from that organization? Well, the reason for that, again, is the fact that they have to they have to take care of the people that help them the most. Because they desperately, any talk of, especially in football, of a breakaway from the NCAA, and the NCAA's done. Emirate and all the people around the, the gold table, they won't get their salaries unless that, that money comes in. You know, you think, what we ended last night is the cash cow. What is it, a billion dollars they get over a month? Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about that. And um, so we, we saw that last night. The NCAA needs those institutions. I... I do think, though, that it again, they're not accountable to anybody. That that's the audacity of the whole thing, is that everyone is accountable to them. But when they make dumb, rash, foolish decisions, and I think everybody, including the Power Five, would look at decisions the NCAA has made and be like, "Man, where's the circus?" Because we know where the clowns are. I mean, I think a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people have have said that. So, again, I think it's a way for them to maintain control with zero accountability. It will be interesting to see how what the RPIs are like. But here's here's the deal: if you're Scott Barry, here's the deal: if you're Mike Bianco, Chris Lamonis, anybody in Mississippi. But here, let's let's specifically say Scott Barry and Lane Burris, or let's say a non-power five group of school that's a one bid or two bid league. You got to be playing your best over the next two weekends because that's when you're going to be evaluated. You're going to be evaluated the next three weekends. The first weekend in May is probably too late. So if you're going to show out for a regional, we always say it's not about playing good baseball now, it's about playing good baseball at the end of the season. Yes, to advance, but if you want to host or you want to be a two-seed, you got to play good now. Right, and it almost makes the conference tournament now irrelevant. You know what I'm saying? Because the yes. Name, yeah, yes. It, it almost eliminates the need for even having a conference. Or, here's why, the, yes. why, would we, why would we throw Hunter Stanley seven or eight innings to beat Charlotte or UAB or even FAU? Like so, if if it's predetermined where the sites are, we would be playing for a seed. I get that, but why would we go burn our pitching out? Right. Well, another I mean, great. We're, we're not going to throw our aces in the tournament. Yeah. Another quick great example of the NCAA is in the basketball game last night. Now, keep in mind, these kids from Baylor and Gonzaga and other schools—they've been living together for a couple of weeks in a hotel, right? Living together, practicing together, playing with each other. But then they separate the teams, they socially distance the bench and make them all wear masks as if that's the only place they could contract coronavirus. You know, they're not going to get it at the hotel or in practice or, or, you know, sweating and breathing on each other in competition. It's just, there's just so many things about the NCAA that make you shake your head. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate that they have so much control. All right, when we come back, uh, Kelly Center joins the Eagle Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Tuesday, third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. They're at 2505 4th Street 
in Hattiesburg. It was hamburger steak, rice and gravy, green beans, and uh, a drink day all for eight ninety five. Jeopardy this afternoon at four thirty. I think Aaron Rodgers has been hosting the last couple days. But anyway, all that's at 4th Street Bar and Grill, Hattiesburg's premier neighborhood sports bar. We appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel Kelly Center on uh, the road uh, with us. Joins us now over the phone. And, uh, Kelly, there was a game in Region 23 uh, women's basketball last night. There was, and the top-ranked uh, Jones Bobcats were victorious over Pearl River. And when I say Jones Bobcats number one, I'm talking about in the country. And I want to clarify, uh, if you guys will uh, uh, oblige me here for just a second, I probably came off a little a little harsh yesterday in my comments. You, you hear some rain maybe falling in the background here as I'm driving, but um, I'm, I probably came off sounding a little bit harsh on Pearl River, uh, excuse me, on Jones yesterday when I made the announcement that in different social media uh, platforms, it was said that no fans, no Pearl River fans, no visiting fans were going to be allowed to be in the stands last night at Jones. And here's a, here's a clarification. And I have to tell you, Missy Bilderback, the coach at Jones, who is an, just a top-notch person and a consummate professional, and she and I have known each other a long time, and she called me and she said, look, here's the deal. Okay, she said that all of the Jones Lady Bobcats players got four tickets for their folks or whoever wanted to come and see them play. All right, other people that were allowed to come were Bobcat Club members and administrators from both Jones and Pearl River, and the Pearl River women's team were each allotted two tickets, you know, for their families to come. Which you know, you have home home court advantage. You certainly uh, want to keep that home court advantage. Where, where, the, where the discrepancy was is there was no general admission tickets, but there wasn't any general admission tickets for Jones people either, okay? So, so, so I was so appreciative that Coach Bilderback cleared that up for me, and to any Jones people that I may have uh, upset or offended, that certainly was not my intent. I just simply didn't have all the facts. But we did say that there has to be an explanation for it, and that's a perfect explanation based on the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of school administrators are still very paranoid about uh, COVID. So uh, Jones won the game. They're the number one team in the country. So the Jones women move on to the, the um, Region 23 semis. But, uh, but again, thanks to Missy Bilderback for, for clearing that up, and I wanted to clear that up too. Okay? Um, but, guys, talking, talking basketball, um, you know, and Southern Miss, you got – now down in the panhandle of Florida in the junior college division, you've got two coaches who were formerly on the bench at Southern Miss. We talked about Donnie Tindall now being at Chipola. His Chipola team in the preseason polls this year were, were, were projected to finish seventh or eighth in the league. Guess where they finished? I'm going to say first. They did. They did. <laughs> they finished first. And now you got Greg Heyer, who was an assistant under Larry Eustacey at Southern Miss, then on to Wichita and, and other places. But now Greg Heyer is the coach of Northwest Florida. So those two former Southern Miss coaches are going to go up against each other next season. And, and one other note about Donnie Tyndall, and, I, and I, I get what happened on his watch at Southern Miss. I totally understand that we've, we've been over that before. But I don't think anybody can dispute that that son of a gun can coach. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. And promote. He coached, 
He coaches and promotes, Kelly. Yeah, I mean, a team that was projected, it was his, you know, what, first year? First year in the league, right. and he takes a team that was supposed to finish eighth, and they win the whole thing. And Greg Heyer, you know, we mentioned he's at Northwest Florida. He, he used to coach at Chipola. So you got some, you got some great Southern Miss ties there, and those two guys could be instrumental in Southern Miss getting some really good basketball players if uh, Coach Ladner you know, thinks that there might be a spot or two for JUCO guys on there. But, um, uh, and, and you're and, working to get that that not Tyndall, but you're working to get the other man on the show. Is that correct, former yeah, Southern Miss guy? Yeah, we're we're hoping that Greg Heyer will be able to to make the show um, next Tuesday. And one postscript note about about Northwest Florida is their softball coach, a guy by the last name of Lee, and his college roommate at Delta State was none other than Jeremy McLean. Well, we want to get him on the show, too, Kelly. He may have the scoop on Jeremy McClain. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure Jeremy McClain would probably want him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> there, there might be some college stories he's not too happy about. Right, but, right. Um, but, yes, so in this world of sports, man, the world just gets smaller and smaller, doesn't it? Right. Another quick note, we, we're we reaching out to Bill McGillis, who is a former athletic director here, of course, now at the University of San Diego. And, of course, his son is a big star on the baseball team, Will McGillis. So hopefully we're going to have uh, Mr. McGillis on the show next week to talk about what it's like to be in California. And I'm sure every every time the Golden Eagles play, he's either glued to ESPN Plus or, or a Conference USA TV to watch his son. So we're looking forward, hopefully, to that conversation. And another quick programming note, Perry Roth, who is the head baseball coach at the UAB, is now definitely confirmed uh, he will be our first guest on the show Thursday. All right, Kelly, I, let me throw this at you. I, I asked Luke this earlier. Uh, I, now that this is settled a little bit and you've had time to digest it, uh, are, are, do you remain as upset with the NCAA as I do over this uh BS regarding the predetermined sites of the baseball tournament. I, I'm I'm upset in in more ways than one. Number one is the fact that they're they're pretty much telling you, although not naming specific schools, you could pretty much guess who's going to get to host these regionals. Normally in a tournament, you know, you don't even make those announcements until the field is set. But they're pretty much telling you by already saying that that decision is coming. They probably already have in their mind, right? Who's going to host these? You know, regionals, which is so unfair because to Luke's point, you know these teams are playing hard down the, down the stretch to maybe get a to get a crumb or get a at large bid, and it may not even matter because the NCAA may have already decided who's going to. You know, they might even have this this field set before, other than the automatic bids of, of conference champions. Um, which, if you're in conference USA shoes, and by the way, sorry to hear the passing of Russ Anderson. That's you know real stressful job. Anyway, I just I hate that, but. Um, you know, it, it really puts mega importance then on winning the conference tournament because that's going to be the only way that you're for sure going to get in. Now, you, you'd like to think that that if the Eagles don't happen to win the tournament at La Tech this year, that they would still get in. You know, they, they do have some quality wins, good RPI, and they're playing well. But man, you just never know. Went back to Johnny Here's- again. You would have thought that his basketball team that went thirty and five would have gotten a shot. Yeah, you would have not, thought, right? Yeah, not only did they not get a shot in the NCAA, they were like a sixth or seventh seed in the NIT. Yeah. So just no respect. Here's 
Here's the trade-off. So this is the question. I think they're going to go, obviously, with higher-capacity stadiums. They have to in order to get people in there because they're going to put down some capacity stuff. Well, here, here's a case. So are all the host teams going to automatically be one seeds? Are you going to have a Southern Miss two seed hosting a regional? I mean, are you going to have a situation like that? Because, again, if you're going to predetermine like that, they're going to get the most bang they can for, can for their buck. They're going to get higher capacity stadiums. So then not only will a team be robbed of the fact of not being able to host, but will they be robbed out of a fact of seeding because they will have to be a two seed or even a three seed because they weren't able to host? That's the big question in my mind. See, and I, and I disagree with respect because I think number, I think all these teams that are going to get the host are going to be number one seeds anyway because chances are if you have a really big baseball facility, it's probably because you have a rich baseball tradition and you've been, you've been good for years, you know, or you're one of those big power fives that has the money to, to blow on, on facilities like that. So I think, I think all those are going to have big stadiums anyway. As fate would have. Well, what I'm saying is, what if Louisiana Tech doesn't get to host? Are they going to be a one seed at a visiting site, or are they going to be a two seed? What I'm hoping is, is that we sweep them and we take their place. But I mean, right now, Southern Miss is 22 RPI, Louisiana Tech's nine RPI. If the Conference USA champion finishes in the top 16 in RPI and doesn't host, are they going to be a two seed on the road, even though they had a higher RPI than the other hosting teams? Yes. Yeah, they'll be a number two seed. Isn't that crazy? And, and he- and here's the nightmare scenario. What if, and I'm just arbitrarily naming a team, what if Charlotte goes over to La Tech and wins that thing? You know, then, then you've got Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss going, what happens to us now? Right. I'm telling you, if the Eagles don't, don't get in and they have a good RPI and a, and a worthy record, there's going to be some serious fertilizer hitting the ventilator. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, clean, to clean up the old phrase. Uh, I mean, they're going to get in. Southern uh, Conference USA might even be a four-team league this year if the RPIs hang like they are. I wouldn't bank on it, but I think they're, it's a pretty much of a lock. They're going to be a three-bid three, three bid league. I just It's going to be really bad if the Conference USA champ or even two teams finish inside the, inside the top 16 in RPI. They're not regional sites, and they're not number one seats. We've got a long way to go before we get there, but it'll be really ironic if that happens. All right, Santa. Are you long going? way to go? Well, we've got four weeks. Yeah. Before. Are you hanging with us, Kelly? I know you're driving. I'm right here, Bob. I'm, I'm All right, Kelly will. Uh, Kelly will return. Luke and I'll be back from the First Bank Studios as the rain begins to fall yet again here in South Mississippi. But we don't care because we have a turf baseball field, so we're going to play this weekend whether it rains all week or not. We'll be back. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Tuesday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. The website is dbathattiesburg.com. D1 Training on the right, DBAT on the left. Great instruction, great fitness facilities and it's all there at dbat and d1 training in hattiesburg ladies golf down in beaumont texas at the 
Cardinal Challenge, hosted by Lamar University. Southern Miss looks like they finished third in the tournament. Uh, one of their uh, golfers, uh, I, I'm hoping I pronounce her name right, Merche Corbachot, shot 75, 75, 76. Looks like she is going to finish tied for sixth overall. And uh, Lady Eagles, I think, finished the tournament, if I'm looking at the live stats correctly. And uh, looks like they're going to finish third, so congratulations to them. Uh, men are uh, in uh, at the Tiger Inventational. And I want to give a shout-out to Robbie Ladder yesterday. A 260 par 3. Okay, so that's not a 3-iron. Uh, that's not even a, a, a hybrid wood. I mean, that's got to be a 5-wood a or a 3-wood. He aced it yesterday. Uh, and so congratulations to Robbie Ladder uh, doing that. Southern Miss um, right now up in Columbia, uh, Missouri. Eagles tied for 7th right now, so 7th overall. So uh, as they're up in Columbia competing against Missouri, Kansas State, um, and, and a few more schools. So uh, good job on the links for men and uh, women. Tennis. Tennis uh, defeated Alabama State over the weekend. Supposed to take on Nichols today down in Thibodeau, Louisiana, unless that were to get canceled. Ladies uh, tennis defeat Southeastern Louisiana yesterday in Hammond. Uh, four matches to none. And uh, softball was supposed to take on Mississippi Valley State today, but that game has been canceled. Kelly, uh, NFL news going on? Yeah, well, just I, I find the little NFL notes, things that, uh, that they changed in the offseason, I always find them to be uh, – interesting, you know, just little nuggets of info. Uh, it, it seems that in years past, NFL players literally got paid on days that they played. All right, so you, you made an annual salary, but you were only paid in, what, 16 checks, okay, for the 16 weeks that you play. But for whatever reason, the NFL now is going to pay them 34 checks instead of 16. And uh, some of the players <laughs> have asked the NFL uh, office, do they have to tell their wives? <laughs> that there's going to be 34 checks instead of 16. Um, the other thing is the owners have voted to do away with overtime in the preseason. I'll make sure we hear that now. Overtime will be eliminated in the preseason for for all of you, um, for all the youngsters out there, for all of the the uh, millennials. Don't worry about a tie in overtime. Each player will receive a trophy. So. I'm sure they're concerned about that, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nobody wins, nobody loses. Everyone in preseason will get a trophy if the team wants, if the game ends up in a tie. I'd like to see them cut the preseason schedule down even more. It's boring. It really doesn't, you know, from a fan standpoint, doesn't matter. I don't ever watch preseason football. And I bet no, you, I, I bet you 95% of the players would be for cutting it even more, Kelly. And I think in practices, I mean, when you're at practices, even the two-a-days that some of these teams are involved in, those coaches know pretty well who can play and, and who can't. Right. I mean, we wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to. You know, we don't, but we don't have trained eyes. So, you know, Luke might be able to say, okay, this guy is certainly better than this guy. Let's cut him. We don't need a preseason game for him to be able to prove that he can play or not play. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think. I would think. Again, I've never coached an NFL game. I've never judged NFL talent. But I would just think in practices they would be able to find that out. Therefore, the preseason, not as many preseason games would even be necessary. Uh, the, the fact that you know nothing about NFL talent is verified by the fact you're a lifelong Cincinnati Bengal fan. Yeah, in just, fact, Bob, in fact, Bob, even though the COVID cases are going down in Ohio, uh, Bengal, Bengal administration has have 
said that they will require fans to wear masks this fall, not because of COVID. They just don't want them to smell the team's play. <laughs> well, well, the Redskins fans were ahead of the times. I was up there two years ago uh, at a Jets game, and uh, most of the fans were wearing masks that looked a lot like paper bags on their heads. I don't know. Maybe it was, it was kind of like a pre-COVID warning that was about to come, I think. Well, Saints fans were used to those you know, back yeah. in the days when yeah. they were the Aints. You, you're so. too young to remember Didn't... that, aren't you, Luke? Uh, I got the end of it. Didn't the Jets win that game that you were at? 34-14, to 14, my friend. And at one point, a Redskin fan, season ticket holder with a bag on his head, sitting in front of me, turned around and said, I know, I know. When y'all picked this game, you thought it was because, oh, we're sure to win this one. No, my friend, no. And he turned back around uh, with a bag on his head and started watching the game. It was, it was a great experience. <laughs> Well, the Jets have got a decision to make now because they've got the, what the fourth pick in the draft, and uh, or no, no second, no, yeah, the second. second pick in the draft. So looks like that, and and the Atlanta Falcons have reported today that uh, they're taking open bids for their for their fourth pick in the first round. So we'll see if any teams are are interested. The NFL draft the last week in April. The uh, the Falcons will find a way to blow it. Just rest assured. <laughs> Even if they get to pick fourth, you think they'll mess it up? Yeah. They'll blow it. All right, uh, guys, uh, that wraps it up for today. Stay safe out there in the wet weather. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. He'll update us on all things Southern Miss tomorrow on the Eagle Hour. We appreciate you listening. Until tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.